radioinfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Bean. We're going to get right into it again today, Frank. I, I'm not super, like, packed up with stuff. I told everybody this morning on the pre-show that I'm, like, literally, I'm so tired. I don't know why. I'm just exhausted. Uh, long week, but we've got some stuff. The first thing we're going to talk about is something that really... Now, Nikki Haley was on Fox the other day. Uh-huh. Talking, I guess she's trying to go after DeSantis on Disney. There's a lot of controversy about this Disney thing that DeSantis is doing with some people saying he's going after free speech. Um, he's he's using the power of the federal government to stunt corporations. Other people are saying that this corporation shouldn't get any special perks and they should be treated like every other corporation. So the Disney battle wages on with DeSantis. But that's not what this is about. This is about Nikki Haley, who is also running for president in a dismal dis- basement dweller sort of a way. Um, trying to attack Ron DeSantis using Trump's language as some sort of a real big win while not realizing what she's actually doing and what a sellout she is. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Oh, my gosh. It's a minute long. Uh, Here we go. I want to um, ask you about what could be another Republican candidate uh, in the field, and that is Ron DeSantis. We just learned a few moments ago that Disney is now suing the Florida governor for alleging uh, an alleging political effort to hurt their business. We've all been watching this back and forth for quite some time. Uh, This is obviously dramatically escalating the feud between Disney and Ron DeSantis. Uh, They're alleging that the Republican governor has waged a, quote, relentless campaign to weaponize government power over the company. What is your reaction to that as we still have yet to see him jump officially into the race? You know, as governor, I took a double-digit unemployment state and I turned it into an economic powerhouse. Businesses were my partners because if you take care of your businesses, you take care of your economy, your economy takes care of the people and everyone wins. And so that's the way we dealt with it. We are, South Carolina was a very anti-woke state. It still is. And if Disney would like to move their hundreds of thousands of jobs to South Carolina and bring the billions of dollars with them, I'll let them know. I'll be happy to meet them in South Carolina and introduce them to the governor and the legislature that would that would welcome it so basically we're not woke but if you pay us enough money we will be i just i we're, we're, i have no I, I whatever just incredible why would they, that's that's literally like taking money from the devil too she, that's like trying to tempt the devil to, and, and the thing that you're going to one up somebody else in the, in the in the process of doing it is incredible. Like we're we'll take you over here, you you know, pedo grooming, terribly. Hey, come, come come to a come to my state and destroy children's lives. That'll show them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the money's great and all, so we'll sell out for a buck. That's literally what she broadcasts. South Carolina is not a woke state, and we still aren't. But Disney. Come here. We'll happily accept your seven thousand or seventy thousand plus jobs, 
and we've got great weather and we've got great people and we'll bring all of those lefties up here to vote in our state as well because that's what will happen this is supposed oh, all, all their, just their employees becoming South Carolina residents alone would shift elections in enormous ways, especially locally. Yes, it would. Enormous ways. The, I mean, the state le at the very least, the state legislature would look vastly different in like four years. And the worst part of it is that we are we are already the the bluest, solid red conservative state in the entire country. OK, Nikki Haley, I'm sorry to say this. You're a moron. I, there's no other word. You you thought you were going to flex here somehow, but you really just showed what you truly are to everybody in your own words. Nobody had to even do anything. You just outed yourself even more. Now, I moved to South Carolina when she was governor. Um, and the first experience that I had here, of like four or five months after I moved, was the 100-year flood. I don't know if you've heard anything about this at all. South Carolina experienced flooding the likes of which we hadn't seen in a hundred years, at least. It was the the um, several of the rivers after very heavy rainfall flooded, and and South Carolina was underwater. Like the whole, we were kayaking up and down the street. The mailboxes were basically covered. It was it was terrible. And as compared to what New York did, I thought that South Carolina handled it magnificently well the the communication from the governor was on point I was thrilled I was like oh my gosh she's great and then I lived here for a little while and I was like all right McMaster get on in there it's just not it's it was not good huh it's you know what I love it here I really do I love it here um but I see where it's going I really I see where it's going and the, the people running, like we tried to come in and fix it and the people running things are in this good old boys club and they are very much about their parties and their suits and who's around them and the kind of money they can bring in and they don't really care about what's, oh, what's going on with that. You got, uh, you left your, your position with the, with the, the party out there and I, weren't you facing some legal battles or is that all behind you? Oh what's yeah, going on? that's all behind me now. That was that was settled. I had and there's no and there's nobody that's that has the the guts to or the the, no. the I don't know the the will to put themselves through that and try to do what you tried to do. What ended up happening is that the people that came in trying to get rid of us declared that they were the actual GOP in our county, and the chair of the GOP in South Carolina recognized it, and then. They basically destroyed all of the MAGA America First activists that came in to do what, you know, we, we want to do with our county and the GOP. And then Donald Trump praised them, people that took us out in a, in a meeting. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that happened. Oh, yeah, that, that, that happened. The very gentleman who orchestrated our demise was held up on a pedestal by Donald Trump. So there's that. Anyway. Moving right along, the Texera case, this whistleblower, or I'm not whistleblower, this leaker, the one who leaked all the documents about Ukraine and stuff on the Discord server. Uh-huh. He is, they're trying to get him detained without letting him out. Like, that's where we're at in the trial right now. They're trying to argue that he shouldn't be released. 
that he should be held in prison, etc. The problem is, Frank, that they wrote they wrote their motion to keep him behind bars and in it they included a whole bunch of photos and information about what a gun nut he is. Okay? The guns that's that got to throw that in. Very important. Very important. The guns that they're using are airsoft guns. In the photos, if you look at the live stream right now, I have one on screen. All of the guns in these photos are airsoft guns. They're not real. And they're being passed off as like ARs. It's pretty crazy. So does he own any actual guns or his, or is it just the, the image of these pellet guns? His dad owns a gun. He's had problems getting guns in the past, which is a whole different thing we'll talk about in a second. But there's a clip. Catherine Herridge is getting pretty lit up. Thank you to Harold Finch right now for sh- sharing this clip with me. But let's listen to Catherine Herridge. Try- and then people are kind of upset with her because she's here. The alarming new allegations about an Air National Guardsman accused of leaking classified materials. Prosecutors say that Jack Texera had a long history of making racist and also anti-Semitic comments and also had access to a large collection of weapons. He is due in a Massachusetts courtroom later today. And our senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Herridge, has more on this from Washington. She's been following it. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Tony. The 21-year-old allegedly shared classified military documents and CIA updates on a social media platform used by video gamers and others to connect online. A Wednesday court filing by the Justice Department includes new evidence that alleges a history of violent and racist remarks. Hours before Jack Texera's scheduled court appearance, federal prosecutors filed a memo arguing for his confinement. According to the 18-page memo, federal investigators found a gun locker at his mom's house outside Boston with a cache of weapons and tactical gear surrounding his bed. Prosecutor, That is what the problem is. It's not weapons. Those are like pellet guns, Frank. They're not real guns. So was he... Did they they do any uh, digging into whether or not he was in airsoft leagues and stuff like that? They don't care. They're using it as propaganda. And and that's another thing. Is it Texera or Teixeira? I don't know. Should we have been calling Mark Teixeira Texera the whole time? I don't know. These people are very insensitive to Portuguese people. Listen, the Portuguese have been marginalized for far too long, in my opinion. They really have. It hasn't, it wasn't John Philip Sousa Portuguese? He gave us stars and stripes forever. you got to really respect the Portuguese for what they've given us. It's unfortunate. If you're Portuguese and you're in the chat, give us a number one. Here, let's finish this. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt it. But look at them. They're right there. If you're Portuguese, if you're Portuguese in the chat, flash your boobs. Yeah, show us. It's Friday. Why not? It's, it's Friday. Flash your boobs Friday. Go. <laughs> Here we go. Prosecutors say five years ago, Texera was suspended from high school for talking about weapons, mentioning Molotov cocktails and guns at the school, and making racial threats. That Let's just stop right there. Where are the racial threats? I want to see it. How did he get... How did he pass his background check, Frank? I don't know. Seems like the military is desperate. How did this man, if this is true... How did he pass his background check? And then how did he get a top secret security clearance in less than six months with the Air National Guard? Tell I me. Guess, I guess, A, the military's desperate. And B, I Was it the I Air National know. Guard that he was with? Who was he with? 
The National it Guard. Was, it was Air, it was Air National it Guard. It was? Okay. That's I thought it was. it was Air National Guard, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here we go. That behavior was flagged to local police when Texera applied to obtain a firearm. And the filing also alleges he searched online about mass killings and posted disturbing comments, oh, saying search, he wanted ISIS my, to, quote, the, kill... The things I search. I know. The things I search just to research for the show, where I don't know where to start looking sometimes, so I'll just... I'll just empty my thoughts into a search field. God knows what they would be able to say about me in one of these Catherine Herridge CBS morning bits. It's what they did oh. to the Proud Boys in their in their trial. They weaponized free speech. Oh my gosh. Let's keep going. A ton of people. The Department of Justice also argues there was an attempt to interfere with the investigation. It claims Texera tried to cover up the leak by destroying evidence like a laptop and game console. A gaming console? Allegations about an What? Like a PlayStation? Yeah, an Xbox, I think. Okay. Now, to be fair, his chat messages that they highlight here are pretty damning. He kind of screws himself with them. However, Something smells like trash. If I hold on, wait, 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 I hope. Yeah, I hope I can't ISIS see. goes through with their attack plan and creates a massacre at the World Cup. And I, then, if I had my way, I'd kill a million people. Uh, it, it's supposed to say a shit ton. A shit ton of people. It's all honest. It, it, that because. In all honesty, you have to whether you whether or not you like it. Seriously, I would be forcibly calling the weak-minded. Frank, I know you're guilty. 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 Don't have a uh, don't have a conversation with me in a bar one night. <laughs> Whatever you do, I want to pat any every, anybody I ever drink with. Uh, uh, you know, would have a very open conversation. I'm going to pat you down. Make sure you're not recording me. I accidentally skipped off the part where I was, so we're going to hope that we're good here. To quote, kill a ton of people. The Department of Justice also argues there was an attempt to interfere with the investigation. It claims Texera tried to cover up the leak by destroying evidence like a laptop and game console and posted in a chat group to delete all my messages. Texera's IT job in the National Guard allowed access to highly classified material. The Air Force temporarily suspended two commanders of his unit and stripped them of their access to classified systems. This week, National Security Spokesman John Kirby told CBS Mornings that the scope of the damage is still unknown. But don't you remember, we're going to listen to this, but don't you remember when this first happened, they were telling us that it, none of it was even real anyway? <laughs> well, that's what they always start off doing, uh, especially that John Kirby uh, bastard. Uh, that's what they always start doing. I mean, with, with the, the leaking about the intel that they had, with the withdrawal in Afghanistan, with the bombing, that they had all the intel they needed to avoid having 13 Americans and dozens of others killed in that bombing uh, in August of 2021. John Kirby, I mean, they, they tried denying it a little bit, and then finally he just had to say, we're not going to comment on things that were illegally, uh, illegally leaked or anything like that. So pretty much saying we, we don't comment on on truth that was given to you without our permission. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're terrible. They're awful. All of, John Kirby is just, he's a murderer like the rest of them. Like, you know, when you, you see somebody 
uh, thinking that they're they're talking in confidence with a friend of theirs, and they so, say something ridiculous. Like, do I really believe that Jack Teixeira, whoever the hell he is, if he's not an AI composite himself, <laughs> would actually push a button and have millions of people killed? We have said such ridiculous things uh, under certain cir- under ridiculous circumstances with our friends over the years. So just as just a show flash that on screen of him talking about killing millions is in itself just like, okay, well, whatever your biases are, this is going to reinforce them or whatever. But but objectively, John Kirby is a murderer. So now let's listen to what the murderer, an actual murderer has to say. The truth is, Tony, that we don't. Uh, And that's obviously deeply concerning to all of us. We want to get uh, as great a grasp on the scope of the universe of documents that are out there. The scope of the universe. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, it it goes into far and wide. That's that's another way of saying we don't know just how much we're going to use this going forward for things. This might create a universe of opportunity for us. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Yeah. There, uh, so we can do a proper national security assessment uh, of. Why did this kid have this access? I don't understand. I I, I forgot who I was speaking with. Um, it might have. I don't know if it was Kyle Serafin or if it was a couple of guests after him. We we're talking about this, and um, they confirmed to me. Some one of my recent guests confirmed to me that it is not totally. Uh, out of out of the question that someone this young in the position they were in would have access to classified information they would have certain levels of clearance now they wouldn't have to- a, a total broad scope of how this all fits in to other they, they would still be compartmentalized but it's not out of the scope of possibility that this person even at their age would be able to access uh sensitive information like this okay let's put that aside for a second how did he pass for clearance? They stripped people in the FBI of their clearance for refusing the vaccine. How did this kid get a clearance with that alleged background in history? Yeah. Anyway, let's listen to the murderer. Here we go. We're alleged murderer. I don't want to get sued. Exactly what damage might be done. Prosecutors say Texera should be held pending trial because he is a flight risk. He faces 25 years in prison connected to charges involving the Espionage Act, and there could be more charges to come. We've reached out to his lawyer for comment, but have received no response. The alarm. Okay. So. Thunderstruck did a. Threat on this. Where is it? I had it. I don't know where it went, Um, but Thunderstruck actually went through and detailed out how weird this this threat is or this this filing is. And I read it myself and and, and he's right. It it is. It's very strange. Um, The messages, the way they portray them are. Damning, I guess, the way they're portrayed, but They they don't look good. The messages we just read together. Yeah. There's more. They don't look good. I mean, these are t- these are, these are some of the things. Uh, all right, an extreme example of why everybody just you know you have conversations. Many of your conversations are not had in public, and you know you and you you want some basic privacy. It's, 
because you just you're on a discord server playing video games with five or six people and um you know all of a sudden here so they're they're toy guns They go through like some of the airsoft gear like that was pictured in the Catherine Herridge report. It's airsoft gear. It's not real. And then they go through some of what happened in the filing and some of the messages. Um, this one is particularly bad. I want to make people disappear. I've been tempted to buy an SUV and make it an assassination van. You know. Jeez. I'm going to set up an AR and sniper blind. I wanted a can on AR to, sh I wanted a can on an AR to shoot out of an SUV accurately. And then they talk about, you know, what you'd need to do that. But I don't know. I just, I just, something just stinks about this entire thing, Frank. It, it, it just stinks. Something yeah, stinks. Yeah, if he wants to kill people so badly, he's already in the military. He should try to get reassigned to Ukraine. I know. They love killing people over there, I hear. Oh, and the killing's just beginning, I, I'd have to imagine. Unbelievable. So, so I'm going to keep watching this. I've got an alert set on the case to see the filings. I thought his attorneys did a good job of arguing that he should be on home confinement. His dad came in and testified to be a custodian for him. Um, we'll keep watching it and see what happens. But there's just something. The whole story was just freaking weird. The way yeah, he yeah, KRO in the chat room says he sounds like a little boy, like 11. The bravado for the benefit of his peers. I'm telling. That's that's what I'm getting. I'm I'm listening to a. I I feel like you're you're reading text from a middle schooler who's really trying to test the boundaries of how he can uh, of the outrageous things he can come up with yeah now yeah. on the other hand we do live in a time of great mental illness and we know that there are plenty of people out there who um who formulate these plans and these these fantasies with a little bit more seriousness than we would like so you, you just don't know but but if you but yeah it, it seems like middle school bravado yeah. And it's 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 kind of cringe too. It's bad middle school brava bravado. Yeah. Speaking of um mental illness, I shared this last night. This one really got me. Um I want to go through this real quick. I wasn't going to play it, but this girl or whatever she's so calling So a couple herself, of people might have been Hold on. Let's just watch this. I'm I, you're going to probably have to stop, Frank, but um we'll see. Here we go. So a couple of people might have been surprised by my transgender pin that I put on this morning. I figured it's about time that I came out and talked about my gender identity. No. I am trigender, which means like a triangle, I have three genders. Male, no, female, and non-binary. Oh. Now. Male, female, and nobody. That, that, that sounds like a really great gender. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am both and none. Are you like the, the, the trinity of stupid? And the difference between trigender and gender fluid is that I feel all three of these genders at the same time. Now, uh, the, the, the third one is avoid. <laughs> How can you feel to be man, woman, and neither? Here's the problem. At the same at the same time, it is a, that it's a you're non-binary. You're describing a void. 
in order for this to be real, this one has to admit there's male and female. They have to admit that there's characteristics and a feeling to being a female. And there are characteristics and a feeling to being a male. And in my opinion, that kind of blows their entire bullshit argument out of the water. There's more. All the time. It doesn't ever shift or change or where I feel one gender more strongly than the other, like gender fluid tends to be. Also, I should recognize and accept that a lot of people don't see non-binary as a third gender. They see it as something completely separate from the binary of male and female. Um, but for me, it's like a third gender. Oh, so it's okay now, even though most people don't. Like, you see how they're just inventing crap out of thin air? These people need mental help. I can't. They need There's... a purpose. And it's, uh, well, it's it, we're just the one, the next phase. On to the next phase. Listen to what um, CBS had to do yesterday. Listen to what oh, CBS did. I saw this. Listen to this robotic uh, woman. Oh, no, ABC. What do you have from CBS? I don't have it. This is ABC. No, this is the, with the, with the, they have to, I, I guess they had already, they had already conducted an interview oh, with yeah. Robert Kennedy Jr. And then they had to throw out a, a desperate robotic disclaimer to try to mop up and, and, and smear him yeah, here, as a nut. Yep, here it is. We should note that during our conversation, Kennedy made false claims about the COVID-19 vaccines. Data shows that the COVID-19 vaccines prevented millions of hospitalizations and deaths from the disease. He also made misleading claims about the relationship between vaccination and autism. Research shows that vaccines and the ingredients used for the vaccines do not cause autism, including wow. multiple studies involving more than a million children and major medical associations like the American Academy of Pediatrics and the advocacy group autism speaks we've used our editorial judgment and in not including extended portions of that exchange in our interview we thank the you, mi mr kennedy the micro machines woman yeah just call her the micro machines woman that's it complete robot my god can you imagine having a having a dinner with her robot it like let's let's get your people who are watching this that are already primed for truth to start looking into all the things she just said now. Because that's what it did. They're looking for that information now. Talk about a Streisand effect. Everybody underneath it is like, how long between, how long until RFK is labeled a MAGA Democrat? <laughs> Soon. He's up about 10 points since he announced. So what does that mean? I know, I know that initially when he announced that he had claimed about 13% of the support 20, that 22 people... so what he's up to 22% 22% of just Joe Biden's of support Democrats. or just over overall he's pulling at 22% Democrats wow <laughs> wow I love it it's interesting and I'm all I'm down for interesting because I'm uh, pretty bored it's otherwise. gonna be it's going to be an exciting Democrat run. That's for damn sure. Well, there's no debates, so it, they're going to have to create excitement some other time. So they, we, we would not be able to see RFK Jr. making a fool out of Joe Biden in a primary situation. That That's not going to happen, unfortunately. So I was thinking about this because the whole debate question has come up a lot over the past couple of days debates, primaries, all of it. And I'm thinking, 
we didn't usually when there's an incumbent, there's not somebody that steps up to primary them often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are no debates. But when somebody does step up to primary an incumbent, should there be debates, Frank, or should we just say, well, they're they're an incumbent? Uh, well, no, I, they, they should be. There should be debates. It's, it's, I think it's incumbent upon them to go and and defend their position and and to continually reapply for the job and to try to you know uh, bring their thoughts to the table. I, no doubt about it. Especially if there's dysentery amongst the ranks and you have really viable competition, uh, and because that that what that in- indicates to me is that there's a lot of people who even voted for you who are thinking that you are not the right person for the job anymore for one reason or another. Absolutely. I should think, not be left. I think so too. I'm I'm all for a robust challenge to people who are running our entire country and government or want to. A robust challenge, a difficult road to get there. The hardest job interview in the world it should be. Yeah. In my opinion. Um yeah, South Carolina has open primaries, Frank. Oh, really? So you're gonna? So if you, are you gonna vote uh, in the Democrat primary? Uh, no, probably not. Wink, wink. <laughs> you can show up in a mask. Nobody you, will know it's you. You know, in 2016, was it 2016? Yeah, in 2016, there was an orchestrated, uh, there was an orchestrated push to get Bernie Sanders to win the primary in South Carolina. How old did he do? Pretty well. I don't know what he won by, or if he, if what he, what the votes he got were, but that was the push in 2016. It was interesting. Um, I've got Leah Thomas here. What does he got to say? Oh, just wait for this one. Just wait. Like, oh, we respect Leah as a woman, as a trans woman, whatever. We respect her identity. We just don't think it's fair. You can't really have that that sort of half support where you're like, oh, I respect her as a woman here, but not here. They're using the guise uh, of feminism to sort of push transphobic uh, beliefs. And I think a lot of people in that camp sort of carry an implicit bias against trans people, but don't want to, I guess, fully manifest or, or speak that out. And so they try to just play it off as this sort of half support. He's coming for that, feminists now. Well, I mean, this is all feminist problems. I mean, feminism has ruined so much of this country for for both sides. And um, I, I, I'm just happy. I love I love when the chickens come home to roost. The, Here you have feminism, feminism now being consumed by men, and uh, and they're telling feminists that if you don't see me as a woman, then you're a bigot. Isn't I that isn't that something? Isn't that? Oh, it's it's very delicious. It's a delicious, delicious. I think it was a, treat. a year ago that we were talking about the victim classes and how they were like, you know, the, eventually you run out of victim classes and they start to fight each other. And it was the funniest line. I'll never, for, I'll never forget, but I can't remember exactly what you said about the trans, black, disabled, uh, somebody or other on a stage yelling at the trans, <laughs> the trans like queer something or other about how they're being marginalized by the other group. <laughs> 
it, it, it probably had something to do just with the, the 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 hierarchy that they've created that that progressive stack. You know how that that's something that's been talked about a lot. The emergence of the progressive stack, how it's almost like a totem pole, where you see what is prioritized to the top. The more non-white, the more feminine in spectrum you are. The of course sexuality. Uh, they want to do away with heteronormativity. So if you the the blacker, the more fe- uh, female and the more gay you are, the more powerful you are. And then you go down to you know blacker <laughs> gay male, then blacker male, then you have the gay and white men. I mean gay and white, uh, gay white men and women, and then you have the, it, it, the the progressive stack is the, and it's getting stickier murkier because as we were saying before it's not you can't just create this hierarchy of political um of uh a political you know uh, pressure and all that other stuff you can't it's not even clean anymore because they have to make subcategories of people inside the keep, categories inside in, yeah it's like the, the, a russian the, doll <laughs> the subcategories are everything to them because uh, after a while uh, i i don't know i don't know they've already embedded this kind of degenerative mental mental state in everybody and uh, it, it continues to shed top layers and become more and more formless and and just it's disintegrating so um to try to keep things fresh they got to try to create new slices of the voter demographic pie from pieces of old slices it's it's really um how do they even keep track of it and still Manage. Yeah. Listen, listen, here we, we would be remiss if we didn't do this. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. I can call the police if you'd like me to. You need to settle down. You need to settle down and mind your business, okay? Ma'am, once again, ma'am. I said both of you. No, you said sir. Once again, it's ma'am. It's ma'am. Don't you see the bag? Can you see I'm wearing pink? Don't you see the bag? Come on. It's ma'am, not sir. It's ma'am. Ma'am. Well, then why do you look like Vince Neil? If it's ma'am, can can you can you sing Kickstart My Heart, please? <laughs> oh, goodness. The UN is at it again, by the way. Agenda 2030. The 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 World Economic Forum, I'm sorry, is at it again. Why civic participation is key to meeting UN sustainability targets, Frank. Civic what? Civic participation. Oh. Attacks on civil society and civic freedoms are threatening adequate progress being made on meeting the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Agenda 2030 marks a rare moment of global unanimity with an emphasis on economic advancement, social progress, and environmental sustainability. What did that even say? Ahead of September 2023's SDG Summit, we must ensure that sustainable development involves both freedom from fear and freedom from want. Freedom from want. Yeah, we don't want to have anybody wanting anything. We don't want anybody to be ambitious and to want things for themselves. That might get in the way of the agenda that they have for the planet. Listen to this. The 17 Sustainable Development Goals and the targets of Agenda 2030 represent a significant improvement over the preceding eight Millennium Development Goals because of their comprehensive scope, 
rights-based underpinnings and universal application. Civil society organizations played a key role in putting forward ideas for the SDGs and for forging consensus among states. They were able to win significant people-centered commitments on responsive, inclusive, participatory, and representative decision-making at all levels. We, we don't have any of that. That's an absolute bullshit lie. Uh, public access to information and protection of fundamental freedoms in accordance with national legislation and international agreements. Encouragement and promotion of effective civil society partnerships, building on the experience and resourcing strategies of partnerships. What in the ever-living hell are they even talking about? They say 28% of the world's people live in 27 countries with completely closed civic spaces where merely asking questions of those who hold power or expressing democratic dissent can result in imprisonment, forced exile, or death. So is the United States listed on there? No. No, what they're well, maybe, who knows, depending on what they're trying to do, because this is really all about telling everybody that um, for us to get where we need to be, we have to get rid of closed and stable cultural um, cultural outposts, because that's really what they see countries as being. They see them as outposts, and um, they, they want all of them to be brought under their, I mean, I guess the, the, their realm. They want that to be part of their realm where they can be dictated to and have everybody. Now, they don't really care about civic involvement. They like civil, civic unrest. Civic unrest creates instability in all those countries and makes it harder for traditional forms of government that are based in culture and everything else to, to continue on. Therefore, they will become a lot more easy to influence from the outside. You can start making partnerships with with rival factions of people and you can, you know, you, pretty much the whole ISIS situation there. And that's how they want to be able to get into places where there's not enough civic participation. What they want is they want people to stop participating in what is traditionally their culture and invest in this globalist transhuman culture that the uh, the rotting oysters in Belgium want everybody to to be a part of. That's really what what, it, what we're talking about here. So, yeah. I, but, but I, like you said, what are they getting at? Because it's, it's written in such vague, you know, circular logic and so many, it, it's so verbose, but they're not, they're not actually making any statements. I don't know. I don't know why they need all these uh, public relations missives to just be out there. Maybe it's just karma. Maybe they're just appeasing they have to karma. Tell you. They have to tell you. They, they, they link here but, to something. But I'm at the not... same, but at the same time, they're not saying anything. Yeah, they, I know. I know the U.N. secretary general has a call to action for human rights that's linked in here. I haven't heard it. I don't know how long. It's a minute long. It's it's made the same way as everything else with their A.I. little flashy. I have come to the Human Rights Council, the fulcrum for international dialogue and cooperation to advance all human rights to launch a call for action. Yeah, they're they're protecting our human rights by forcibly injecting us with poison. That That's how they project our protect our human rights. Yeah, the, the seven areas. This isn't even a freaking speech. Seven areas of concerted effort. What are they? Let's see. Rights at the core of sustainable development. Rights in time of crisis. 
gender equality and equal rights for women. Um, okay. Public participation in civic space. That's nonsense. Uh, it's all nonsense. It's bull. They don't want us protesting anything. Are you kidding me? No. Speaking of which, 500 Australians joined the world's first COVID vaccine injury class action lawsuit, Frank. They, well, that's nice. They paid out, the United States paid out two vaccine injury claims, $2,500 each. Way to go, guys. Hope you get your life back with that little stipend. Unbelievable. The respondents, um, 500 Australians have already joined a landmark COVID-19 vaccine injury class action lawsuit filed this week against the Australian government. And the medicines regulator seeks redress for those allegedly injured or left bereaved by the vaccines. It accuses the Australian government, the, count, the, the country's Therapeutic Goods Administration and Department of Health and Aged Care and a number of senior public servants of negligence related to the approval and monitoring of COVID-19 vaccines, breach of statutory duty and malfeasance in public office. According to the lawsuit, the respondents approved the vaccines with no proper or reasonable evidentiary or logical basis to reasonably determine the vaccines to be safe, effective, and possessing a positive risk-benefit profile. Hopefully, they win. Well, then what are they going to have to say on CBS or NBC or whatever the hell it was? Oh, yeah. They got to send a robot woman out there to talk about why it's not what it seems. All they needed to do was flash up the sponsored by Pfizer on the screen. The other crazy thing that's going on right now that I wanted to talk about today is this Trump defamation suit from E. Jean Carroll. Have you followed this at all? Cause she testified yesterday. No, I stopped following. I mean, I, I made a joke about it last night, but ultimately I stopped following her when all of the networks stopped bringing her on after she went on Anderson Cooper drunk talking about how rape is sexy. And she was obviously lying to sell of all of her self-published books. And, and, and it wasn't. And I asked this last night, but I didn't get any confirmation on it that I could have seen. But wasn't her story about this dressing room Yep. rape or uh didn't people find that it was lifted verbatim from an obscure television show episode you know now that you're saying that something about that rings a bell oh i remember i remember i mean one way or another she's 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 a load of shit but um but i remember i remember that be like oh wow so she testified um Yesterday, she was on the stand, and I have Lisa Rubin here, who's covering this case. (sighs) She's doing it like she's writing a romance novel, though, so, like, her language is so... Carol testified this afternoon that when she sought to publish an excerpt from her book, her then-employer, Elle magazine, was not an option. Why? Elle is a beautiful magazine filled with culture and art. It would never publish its advice columnist admitting to assault. Carol clearly loved her job at Elle. Even now, her pride in her column is palpable. But after New York Magazine published the excerpt of her book, an excerpt she says her publisher chose, Trump responded with a blizzard of negative derogatory name-calling. And it goes on and on and they ask her, but there's, they ask her all kinds of questions and here, um, I have a clip of some of what I always, I always wanted to be like in a mag, working with a magazine or 
to have a column to be printed somewhere. I, I think always I still think that it's pretty cozy, or especially a magazine that has to do with culture and art and whatever. Very high highbrow magazine. Like a, before, I realized what was really controlling out uh, outlets like the New Yorker and stuff like that. Always seemed like a very top hat and long cigarette kind of a crowd. And I don't know. There's still something kind of old school romantic about the whole thing. I I got to print a a a quarterly quite frankly magazine i talked about that with lauren before i gotta do it either a quarterly or something but it, it's gotta be it's gotta be legit and it's gotta be cool and glossy yeah Has i love that glossy. feel and you know what i you know what else i want in there i want at least one page with the sample cologne that you can rip out and smell <laughs> The tab, I, I, I love cologne samples and perfume samples. Yeah, I love, they still I love do pull- that. Oh, I know. Pulling the tab apart. Nah, not not for me. Or this one. <laughs> ah, light, sweet, smooth. I like this. Oh, musky. You know, I took, I, my, I, wanted, I took my son cologne shopping because my son wanted to start wearing some cologne. So we went to, to get some cologne. And there's we're in the store and there's like a whole big thing. There's like 50 or 60 different colognes, right? And he, he's got his own money and he's going to buy himself some cologne, okay? And he smelled every single cologne that was on those shelves. What did he eventually settle on? Oh, God, I forget. I forget what he ended up buying, but he had the tin of coffee beans with him. And he would smell a cologne and smell the coffee beans and then smell the next cologne and smell... I mean, it was... It was at least 50 or 60 colognes. We were there for like an hour and a half. And I'm just standing there watching him like, this kid is serious about his cologne. He does not want to mess I, I want to know up. what he walked away with. I, 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 Katie in the chat room had a great idea. She said, hey, but you should just do different weed strand smells to advertise <laughs> dispensaries. Yeah, that would be that would be something else. But um, I uh, the last cologne I bought for myself, I don't know. I've been on... I have a rotation of um, of Gaultier, of Tom Ford, of Canali, and there's something else too. Lagerfeld, this old one that I always loved. You know, it's like a, almost like a, a nostalgic thing. It's a it's a sto- it's a nostalgic thing for me. The Lagerfeld. It's a little more of a spicy one. But my father used to wear that when I was uh, when I was young, and I always loved because it reminded me like, oh, it's a special occasion. It's Christmas. It's a wedding. It's something. Yep. My, so yep. I got a yeah. I got a rotation with that. But my first, I started off. My mother started me off with Brute. Oh my gosh! Because, because Troy Aikman was he was he was hawking, uh, he was hawking Brute. So Brute was where I started. I did a little bit of. Um, I never got into curve when everybody else did, but I had a Tommy Hilfiger uh, phase in in like yeah. uh, eighth ninth grade. My dad's and cologne was Chaps. That's what he always wore, Chaps. And they discontinued- what about English leather? No, it was Chaps, and they discontinued it. But if anyone else ever had that cologne on, it was never the same. And then Will is not a huge cologne guy, but he was wearing a really cool Armani for a while that I really liked. They discontinued that one too. The perfume that I absolutely adored more than anything else in the world is also discontinued, but they rebrought it back as something completely different that doesn't smell anything like it. It was very sexy by Victoria's Secret. It was just the most beautiful, like 
it wasn't a fruity like smell. It was like this deep sort of beautiful smell that's gone. I don't wear perfume. So it's yes. what it is. But anyway, um, I had a clip up for us to listen to before we got distracted. And then I want to listen to Andrew McCabe. And then we're going to listen to something funny to end. And then we're going to go to the weekend, Frank. So All right. here is um, Lisa Rubin talking about her time inside the hearing room where E. Jean Carroll was testifying. I'm expecting, Jose, that E. Jean Carroll will be cross-examined. We have just finished her direct examination. We're in a break in between so that the lawyers can have some negotiations about the scope of that questioning and what evidence can be used. But one of the things that just happened during her direct examination is that her lawyers did something that Barb is familiar with called drawing the sting. They anticipated several lines of attack against E. Jean Carroll, and they brought them out, including an interview that she gave to Anderson Cooper in 2019, in which she said that most people think of rape as sexy. Think about the fantasies. And asked by her lawyer to clarify what she meant, she said she was trying to make a commentary about how rape is portrayed in our culture, that it is used pervasively as entertainment. And she cited the HBO series Game of Thrones, as well as the old movie with Gary Cooper, The Fountainhead, as examples of how pervasively rape is used to entertain in our culture. She was asked, do you find rape sexy? And E.G. Carol said, and I quote to you, Jose, rape is one of the most violent, horrible things that can happen to a man or a woman. He was so visibly drunk she, and she, the retconning the whole thing. The whole this is nonsense. Nobody, nobody. There's no de, there's no debate open on whether or not rape is something that is sexy to anyone other than a complete deviant freak. Yeah, she, and, I mean, in 2019, she said she sexually harassed Roger Ailes by demanding things uh, that he twirl, flashed her legs on air, and said he was her future husband and a pearl of his sex. Like, she's she, she's more guilty of this crap than she... She's sick. She's crazy. This is nonsense. It's all nonsense. And then we have Andrew McCabe saying about how Trump needs to be very, very nervous that Pence was in a deposition for or in 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 talking to the special counsel for six hours yesterday. Andrew Andrew McCabe, the fact that he yeah, yeah whatever. And just wait till you see his face. And let me just say something: depositions or anything, six hours is really not that long. They ask you questions about things that you like basic. They have to get the baseline. It's it's that's not a very long time for questioning. It's just not. It's not a long time. Here we go. How nervous should Donald Trump be that Mike Pence was being questioned for five hours before a grand jury today? What about that testimony could concern him? In a word, John, very, very nervous, right? So, and we know that because Donald Trump made uh, uh, significant efforts to try to block that testimony by again raising claims of executive privilege, which failed. So the significance of the... This is the former vice president. Of course they're going to raise claims of executive privilege, you freaking... Why do all these people that destroyed our country get gigs on media? Because they are going to do their due diligence now, knowing that whoever still watches CNN, unironically, is going to be hyped up by these in deep state intelligence bagmen Look at these two, look at these two limp dick, if feet, 
soft penis men <laughs> going on and on. All, uh, but the same thing. This is like the 89th generation of the same kind of hype. Oh my God. Hi. The fact, but, but as you said, the fact that he is not in jail is just to watch that those problem glasses resting on his nose ridge mm -hmm. and his glint to, to think that he had a nice comfortable breakfast that morning is pissing me off i know i don't even care what he's saying the fact that he probably had eggs and bacon in his coffee and mm, put his tie on and he wasn't in jail is really upsetting Pence testimony can't really be overstated. As we know from the work of the January 6th committee, there were numerous lines of potential criminal conspiracies that the committee looked into, but two of them involved putting pressure on Mike Pence. One, to pressure Pence to to refuse to certify the election at all. And it was a, second a fraudulent election. Line of attack was to pressure Pence to delay the certification of the election. We know that there were meetings about those topics between Pence and Trump on January 4th, on January 5th, and then, of course, the infamous uh, outrage phone call from Trump to Pence on the morning of January 6th. Mike Pence has likely provided likely. intricate direct first-person testimony about the substance of those conversations. And after relating the substance of the conversations, the prosecutors can ask him things like, how did that make you feel? Did <laughs> there we go. How did that make you? Show me on the doll where the conversation with Trump hurt you. Can we just, can we get away from the, I, I, let's just focus on feelings a little bit more here. Let's get away from the facts and the fact that nothing illegal happened here. Let's talk about how it made you feel, Vice President Pence? I mean, you, you know our audience right now. Can we talk about feelings a little bit more? This will really hit home. I can't anymore. I'm, I have one thing we're going to watch, which is really, really funny. Um, everybody stick around. Please don't go anywhere. I'm going to close the show because it's, it's really only audio unless you... You have to see the video. So I'm going to close the show. Stick around for this funny, happy exciting clip we're going to show you in a second please don't go don't, <laughs> you go. <laughs> don't go away please don't, don't go, go. <laughs> will said will sings that to me whenever i walk out of the room it's so cute <laughs> yeah, he's adorable anyway you have been listening to the dark delight podcast with Frankie Bell on the drums and Beans. You can see us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Watch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time live on Rumble, Getter, and on Twitter. And make sure you check out Frank's show Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. We will be back on Monday. But if you're watching live, stick around for a second. Yeah, say later. Later.